0: Acts chapter 1. If you do not have a sermon study guide and you'd like to, to, to follow us and taking notes this morning, just lift up your hand and the ushers will get one to you. We want to welcome each and every one that is watching us right now on live stream. Thank you for being a part of our service here at Lakeside Assembly of God. Three men, tragically, were killed in a car crash. But praise the Lord, all three went to heaven. God said, your job on earth is not finished yet. I'm sending you back. Not only that, I'm going to grant you your greatest prayer request. The first of the three men said, I want to go back. I want to go back to earth and be a thousand times smarter God sent him back and he was a thousand times smarter the second man said I wanna be smarter than my friend I wanna be smarter than Albert Einstein God would you make me 10,000 times smarter God sent him back and he was 10,000 times smarter the third man said God I know you're a God of miracles. I want to be smarter than my other two friends. Not a thousand, not a ten thousand times smarter. I want to be a million times smarter than those other men. And God, poof, made him a woman. Turned back to earth a million times smarter. And your pastor's pretty smart too. He learned many years and eons ago to make sure that that joke ended with being a woman and not turning out to be (laughs) a man. I know where my bread and butter is at. (laughs) Amen, amen, amen. On the 40th day after Jesus' resurrection, something, something incredible occurred. Acts 1.9, after he said this, he was taken up. Say those two words with me, taken up, taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid them from their sight. At Easter, we tend to focus on Jesus' cross. We tend to focus on the the empty tomb, the resurrection, often forgetting the crowning event of Jesus' earthly ministry. His ascension up into heaven. Jesus wanted His ascension to be publicly seen and witnessed by His disciples for a specific purpose, a specific reason, so that they would experience the greatest of all expectation, hopes... Acts chapter 1, verse 11, let's read about that hope. Uh, They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said. Why do you stand here looking into the sky? Who are these two men dressed in white? Angels. This same Jesus uh, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen Him go into heaven. Over the last seven Sundays, we've brought you through the three years of Jesus' earthly ministry. We had a mountain-moving service with you as Jesus taught us how to speak to the mountain. We've been to the cross. We've been to the resurrection. This morning, I take you to the crowning moment of his entire earthly ministry. And I focus on one vital aspect of this. Did you hear what the angels said? This same Jesus which has been taken from you will come back. Do you realize for every prophecy, for every one prophecy in the Bible about the first coming of Jesus, there are eight. I wish I didn't have a microphone. There are eight prophecies about his second coming for every first coming prophecy. There are eight second coming prophecies in God's Word about the soon return of Jesus Christ. Now many Christians don't understand the second coming. Let me share it with you. That's why God's given you a pastor. There are two stages to the second coming of Jesus Christ. Two stages. Let me start with the second stage. The second stage is when Jesus appears visibly to the entire planet as King of Kings and Lord of Lords at the Battle of Armageddon. All of the world would annihilate itself if Jesus didn't come back and step foot on the Mount of Olives. The planet will be under new management. He'll walk into the United Nations. He'll walk into Congress. He'll walk into the White House and say, I'm in charge now. No more quibbling between Democrats and Republicans. We're going to get things done. I'm in charge now. King of kings and Lord of lords. That's the second stage to the second coming of Jesus Christ. But I want to focus on the first stage of the second coming. The first stage of the second coming is an invisible coming. He does not step foot on planet earth. He remains in the air because He's not coming for the whole world. It's an exclusive coming. He is just coming for His church. Uh, only believing ears will hear that sound. Uh, only bloodwashed eyes will see that appearance. The eastern skies will unzip and He will descend from heaven with a shout. He's coming for you and I. Hallelujah. That's where I'm focusing this morning. The rapture. Let's discover the rapture revelations that Jesus' return to heaven foretold on that day of days in Acts 1. This morning, I share with you the final message in our series, Seven Steps to Glory. I share with you the ascension. The ascension. Let's pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, grant us ears to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to His church in this hour. We pray it, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Fill in the blank with us this morning if you're following along. The rapture, let there be no doubt, is a promised event. Paul, in his main teaching on the rapture, said, in 1 Thessalonians 4, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another. With these words, I want to take apart this main teaching on the rapture, verse by verse by verse, this morning. That word, rapture, is based upon the Greek word harpazo. It has four aspects to it. I go through them very quickly this morning. The word rapture has four Greek meanings it. Number one, to carry off by force. That lends us to believe in many other instances in scripture that Satan will try to prevent the rapture. The Bible says he's the prince of the power of the air. He doesn't live in hell. Be aware of that. He lives in the spiritual dimension where he rules as the prince of the power of the air. He'll try to prevent the rapture, but it won't happen. He will fail as the angelic host will escort us into heaven at the rapture. Secondly, the word rapture also in the Greek means to claim for oneself eagerly. At the cross, you and I were saved. We are being saved and one day at the rapture, we will be totally saved. The rapture is the crowning work of Jesus' redemption of you and I at the cross. Jesus paid for you and I at the cross through his shed blood. That payment has not been fully accomplished yet. It will be fully accomplished when he takes us home, home where we belong, Thirdly, the word rapture in the Greek means literally to snatch away speedily. How many Jurassic Park fans do we have out there? Huh? Jurassic World fans. And you know that the most evil dinosaur in Jurassic Park was what dinosaur? The raptor. The raptor, far more than the T-Rex. The raptor, the word raptor is based on rapture. It literally means to snatch away suddenly, not slowly as you'll see me teach on in a moment. Finally, the word rapture means rescue from destruction. The word rapture based upon the Greek word harpazo literally means to rescue from destruction. The rapture is God's rescue plan uh, for us to escape uh, the living horrors that will be here on planet Earth. Uh, the living horrors of the great tribulation before these uh, great horrors, these great, terrible, horrendous times of the great tribulation. Jesus will come for his church to trade the coming hell on earth for the glory of heaven mark it down the rapture will be a literal event a literal event why do I need to say that liberal theology liberal theology and I ran into a lot of them at seminary I mean seminary Liberal theology would like to say, oh yes, we agree that there's many rapture teachings, many rapture promises and verses in the New Testament, but you need to understand that uh, those verses are not to be taken literally. They should be taken allegorically, metaphorically, spiritually. The rapture is when Jesus came back from the dead. The resurrection is the rapture. Others say, no, the, the, the rapture is when Jesus returns back to you when He comes to live in your heart when you're born again. That's the rapture. How does that stack up with the teaching in God's Word? Consider the hundreds of... The multiplicity of prophecies in the Old Testament about the first coming of Jesus Christ. Prophecies that foretold that he would be born a Jew of the tribe of Judah in the town of Bethlehem, that he'd be born of the Virgin Mary, that he'd ride into Jerusalem on a donkey, that he would be betrayed with 30 pieces of silver, that he would be crucified on a cross, that he'd be crucified between two criminals, that he'd be buried in a rich man's uh, grave, and that he would resurrect from the dead, where those prophecies literally fulfilled or spiritually fulfilled literally down to the tiniest detail that tells us that every single New Testament prophecy about the rapture will be literally fulfilled down to the tiniest letter plus remember what the angels said on the day of his ascension This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Not spiritually, not metaphorically, not symbolically, not allegorically, but literally. As he literally went up, he'll literally come on down. And as He literally ascended into heaven, when the literal trumpet sounds, every believer will literally rise in the air with Him to be with Him forever and ever and evermore. Mark it down, if you would, with me. The rapture will be a sequential event. Sequential event. In First Thessalonians 4, Paul gives us a moment-by-moment snapshot of the rapture. Notice the chronology. Notice the one, two, three that Paul gives us in First Thessalonians chapter four regarding the rapture. He tells us what's going to happen first, second, third, fourth. First, the Lord Himself will descend. He's not going to send His agent. He's not going to send His substitute. He's not going to send an angel in His place. The Lord Himself is coming back for us. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with what? A shout. Circle that word shout there in your study guide or your Bible. The Greek word shout literally translated has the historical context of a commander-in-chief coming out of his tent. And as soon as he comes out of his tent, he gives the order. Jesus is coming out of the tent of heaven and he's going to give a shout. It's going to be a commanding shout. Pastor, what will that commanding shout be? What was his shout when he stood before the tomb of Lazarus? Lazarus, come forth. He had to be specific. He had to say the name Lazarus. And if he had merely said come forth, every grave would be opened up. But that's what's going to happen on the day of rapture. The commander is going to come out of the tent of heaven. And he's going to face death in its face. And he's going to face the devil and confront him. And the commander in chief, our Lord of lords and king of kings, he is going to say to the entire planet, come forth. No matter the mausoleum, no matter the vault, no matter the grave, uh, no matter if that soul is in the sea or walking alive and well here on planet earth, every Christian soul at that moment will be resurrected and they will obey the command of their commander-in-chief as he says, come forth and we will come forth to be with him forever and evermore. Secondly, Secondly, notice that Paul says, with the voice of an archangel. Who is the archangel? There's only one. Michael. The second sound believers will hear will be the voice of the archangel Michael. This is noteworthy. Archangel, The Archangel Michael is the military general under the command of Commander-in-Chief Jesus of heaven's armies. He is the one seen in the book of Revelation as conducting the military campaign against Lucifer's army and winning. We get the sense here that Archangel Michael will be issuing orders to the legions of heaven's armies to protect us as we are escorted through the heavenly spiritual dimensions. Because the Bible says there's three heavens. The atmosphere that you can see, the kingdom of God, in which God dwells in heaven, and then the second heaven, the spiritual dimension, where demons and angels fight it out. And Michael is going to direct us and escort us through the heavenly uh, army and bring us there. Plus, the archangel Michael is known as the best man, the best man uh, of Jesus, who is the bridegroom. And uh, the archangel Michael, he's going to shout with a loud voice and declare, Behold, the bridegroom cometh! We're used to hearing and singing, Here comes the bride! But not so at the rapture! The focus is not on the bride! The focus is where it should be! On the bridegroom! Michael will shout out, Behold! The bridegroom is coming! What a day that will be when our Jesus, we shall see. Mark 13, and he will send out his angels to gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the fatherless ends of the earth and heaven. Thirdly, the next sound we hear will be the trumpet of God. The trumpet of God. Paul refers to this as the last trumpet. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, when the last trumpet is blown, for when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever, and we who are living will also be transformed. Paul understood the historical context he was living in. What's the cultural context of the term last trumpet? Every Roman citizen was well aware of that. You see, the Roman soldiers didn't have alarm clocks. This is what my youngest daughter needs. Oh, can we talk? I could write a book. Her and her mom are in Texas right now so I can talk about her. The Roman soldiers of 2,000 years ago didn't have alarm clocks. So the first trumpet sound of the day meant, Wake up! And they woke up, believe me. The second trumpet sound meant assemble. And they came out of their tents and stood at attention and assembled. And then there was a third trumpet sound. This was known by the Roman army as the last trumpet. When the last trumpet sounds, what does it mean? Forward march! March! Honey, sir, ma'am, it doesn't matter where you're at on the planet. It doesn't matter if you are walking on terra firma or you're under terra firma in the grave. When the last trumpet sounds, you are going to hear Ford march. And we're going to march into glory to be with him forever and ever and ever and evermore. What a day. That will be glory to God. The rapture, write it down, will be a transforming event. Not only will Jesus bring heaven's multitude of angels with Him, at the rapture, who also will be with Jesus in the air? Most Christians don't know the answer to that question. Yeah the souls of all the Christians who have died. Your loved ones, your spouses, your grandparents, your children that have gone on before you in the faith. They will be with Jesus. You have Bible for that, Pastor? Look at chapter 4, verse 14. When Jesus returns, God will bring back with Him the believers who have died. Died. You see, the moment you die, the moment you fall asleep in the Lord, if you were to pass away before the rapture, where would your soul go? Very good. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 8 to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So at our Lord's shout. What's he gonna shout? Come forth. He who formed man from the dust of the earth will have no problem resurrecting every dead Christian in the ground. Every dead Christian from the sea or every dead Christian that is nothing but composed of ashes in some urn sitting on the mantle place in somebody's home he will match their spirit which is in heaven with their glorified resurrected body as he calls every atom every molecule every cell to come back together into a brand new glorious resurrected body and match that soul which is with him in heaven with that new body it's going to be glorious it will be instantaneous 1st Thessalonians chapter 4:16 and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Do you see that there? I personally believe based upon strong scriptural authority and evidence that on that day of days the world will witness what down here at Garfield and 17 Mile, at Resurrection and Cadillac Cemeteries, up here at the Cemetery and 26 Mile. What will the world witness? Here is my scriptural evidence. Could Jesus' resurrected body pass through walls? Yes. He would vanish disappear and appear we're talking beam me up Scotty stuff it's right there in the Gospels so why was the stone rolled away at the tomb why did God send an angel down to roll the stone away Jesus could have passed right through that stone God wanted an infallible witness to the resurrection my Bible and your Bible says that Jesus is the first fruits of our resurrection that our resurrection will be parallel to his that's why I have the strong belief uh, that on the day of the rapture every grave every grave every grave in every cemetery on the planet that is holding a dead Christian will First open, it'll be visible, it'll be literal. Every mausoleum, every vault will not be able to withstand the glory of that shout, come forth. In fact, if you have Aunt Sally's ashes in an urn on your mantle place, I believe that urn will just explode <laughs> as evidence that Auntie has been raptured. We will all be with our Lord in the air. Nothing will be able to stop his word of command because Jesus has all authority in heaven and earth. And when he says, come forth, you got to come forth. Amen? After every dead Christian has been resurrected, we hear this promise. 1 Thessalonians 4.17 Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up. Say those two words. Caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. At the moment of the rapture, every living Christian will be instantly transformed from a dying body, an aching body, an injurious body, a broken body, A disease sickened body into a superhuman body. What will our body be like? Will we be some amphorous, pulsating, gaseous point of light that just blinks on and off, floating in heaven? Will we be Casper the friendly ghost floating in heaven? My Bible and your Bible says that our body will be just like the resurrected body of Jesus Christ. Remember that Jesus came to His disciples and they thought He was a ghost. And Jesus said, Touch me! A ghost does not have flesh and bones. Jesus said, Here, give me something to eat. And He ate before them. It's one of my favorite passages in the Bible. That tells me, hallelujah, there's going to be eaten in heaven. And I plan on enjoying heaven's cuisine. Hallelujah. No fear of sugar any longer. No fear of my cholesterol, which is high. Pray for me. I mean, I can eat all I want and not gain any weight. Don't worry about these Nutrisystem stuff and Weight Watchers and all that that I'm haunted with. What a day that will be! My, 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 our new body will be just like that of Jesus! Do you have Bible authority on that, Pastor? Oh, you know I do! Philippians chapter 3 verse 21, the Bible says when He comes back, He will take these dying bodies of ours and change them into glorious bodies like His own! Hallelujah! Are you excited about the rapture? Hallelujah! Oh, but there's more. There's more. The rapture will be a relocation event. A relocation event. Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, here's the first teaching ever on the rapture. I will come again and receive you to myself, but where I am, there you may be also. Hey, much of what makes heaven heaven is what won't be there. Think of what won't be in heaven. Oh, I'm just going to scratch the surface. Think of what won't be in heaven. No more sickness, no more pain, no more fatigue, no more limitations, no more old age, uh, no more colds, flus, m- viruses, migraines, back aches, infections, no more arthritis, MS, ALS, no more Alzheimer's, no more heart disease, leukemia, diabetes, emphysema, no more cancer. Hallelujah! Hear me. Heaven has no hospitals, no nursing homes, no cancer wards. You'll never hear the sound of a siren in heaven. And funerals, they're not allowed in heaven. You'll never witness a one. Oh, I know I told it before, but I, it bears retelling. You heard of the senior citizens that once they retired, this husband and wife, they said, you know, we need to exercise and and eat more healthy. And so she put him on a health food diet, especially her bran muffins. Ten years later, they both died in a car crash, entered heaven, and they were being given a tour of heaven. St. Pete was showing off all of Heaven's glories. They were given a tour through their heavenly condo. Their mansion just over the hilltop. It was marvelous! And the old man looked at St. Pete and said, Okay, how much? How much? German like me. How much? St. Pete said, this is Heaven! Don't you understand? It's free! Then Peter took them on a tour of heaven's golf courses. They were stupendous. The old man asked, How much? Peter, exasperated, again said, This is heaven, don't you know? There's no fees. There's no dues. It's free. They went into the country club of heaven. The gastronomical delights, the cuisine of glory was arrayed before them. All the desserts and all the the delights of heaven were there and looked so scrumptious. All you can eat. So the old man said, Okay, Peter, there's got to be a hook, there's got to be a catch somewhere. How much Peter, totally exasperated now, said, I told you and i tell you again, it's all free. The old man stomped his foot down, looked at his wife and said, you and your crazy brand muffins, we could have been here 10 years ago. <laughs> heaven, heaven, it's the final frontier. Heaven, heaven. <laughs> it's the greatest adventure of all time. Paul the apostle said in 1 Corinthians, "I has not seen, nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for those who love him." You'll never feel more alive than when you're in heaven. The grass will be greener. The sky will be bluer. The sights will be more resounding. It will be glorious. So don't get stressed out about your body. We all have an appointment with the upper taker who's got a new body and a new home for us. Heaven. Home where we belong. No wonder the rapture is called the blessed hope. No wonder your heart should be filled with expectation. Hallelujah. I'm not talking about being so heavenly minded. You're no earthly good. But honey, sir, ma'am, young person, when you get down and out, when you feel depressed, I tell you this, hear me in this. Begin to expect, begin to anticipate, eagerly await what God has for you this is not all there is the best is yet to come the best is yet to come there it is the rapture will be our Lord's rescue plan for his children rescue plan from what the great tribulation that seven-year period where God will pour out the most horrendous judgments upon a Christ rejecting world Jesus said in Luke 21, Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. Do you see that word escape? That's one of the reasons why this church teaches and preaches the pre-tribulation rapture. I don't plan on going through one day of the great tribulation. Jesus is coming to rescue us with the rapture. The Bible describes the great tribulation as a living hell here on earth. One quarter of the planet will die by war, famine, and plague. At present world population figures, that means two billion people will perish. One third of all vegetation will be burned up. The sun and the moon will be darkened. There will be a physical manifestation of demons that will invade the planet during the great tribulation. And so sting people with horrendous nightmarish pain. They will beg to die but be unable to do so. Water will be turned to blood. Earthquakes will shake the planet so severely the islands of the sea will disappear. Uniting the world in rebellion against God will be the first world dictator. The Bible calls him the beast, the Antichrist, 666. He'll force everyone to take his mark. You will not be able to buy, sell, transact any business or hold a job unless you have his number unless you're digitized into his system of 666 he'll promise the dream of paradise he will become the world's worst nightmare yet the most nightmarish aspect of the great tribulation will be the absence of the present ministry Of the Holy Spirit God's Word will be fulfilled on that day from Genesis 6 3 my spirit shall not always strive with man the church age is now finished the general outpouring of the Holy Spirit is now no more now the passions of hell will be released a flood tide of evil so horrific it would make Sodom and Gomorrah wince and blush where there had been an out. Pouring of the Holy Spirit now there will be an outpouring of hellish evil now a baptism of demonic fury I remind you Lakeside family the most precious opportunity we have is experiencing the presence the power and the person of the Holy Spirit young person mom and dad grandparents if the Spirit of God right now is knocking on your heart if he's wooing you if he's tugging at your heart right now don't reject him don't rebel against him because his present ministry will not always continue in this matter one day it will stop because the church age will be finished when the rapture occurs at the end of the great tribulation mankind's worst fears will become a terrible reality. Armageddon. Indeed, the mother of all battles and wars. Jesus himself said in Matthew 24, For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, nor, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should be no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. I've had critics argue with me and say your rapture preaching and teaching is nothing but escapism. If the rapture, God's rescue plan for the church, for His children, is escapism, so be it. I wear it like a badge of honor. I don't know about you. I want to escape the coming hell, the coming storm of evil coming on planet earth. The rapture, write it down, is an imminent event. An imminent -event, event. Remember in 2011? Do you remember in 2011, radio evangelist Harold Camping, he predicted and prophesied that the rapture would occur on May the 21st, 2011. All kinds of people, young people, young adults, they were selling everything getting ready for the rapture on May the 21st, 2011, and then when the rapture did not occur, he reset the date, as so many of them do, to October the 21st of the same year. And again, the rapture did not occur. Fortunately, before his death in 2013, he repented and recanted And he agreed that Jesus' teaching in the Scriptures were to be taken literally. What am I speaking of? Matthew 24, Jesus said, But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. By saying when your pastor preaches that the rapture is imminent, we mean, I mean, it's an event. We know is going to occur at some time. But when that time occurs, we don't know. We just don't know. However, though Jesus said, there's a paradox here, though Jesus said no one knows the day or the hour, listen to what He says in Matthew 24, verse 32. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree you need to be reminded that the fig tree always, always, always represents the nation of Israel throughout the Bible, without without skipping a beat. Always represents Israel. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. I ask you, have the fig leaves come out some of you know what I'm talking about have the fig leaves come out yes for the first time in our generation since Jesus Christ you know then that the summer is near even so when you see all these things Matthew 24 the context he gives the signs the times when you see All of these things you know that is near, right at the door. Truly I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Listen, we are a generation like no other. We are an unprecedented generation in church history. We are the generation witnessing more prophetic fulfillment than any generation since the birth of Jesus Christ, since his first coming. We are the generation that has seen the budding of the fig tree, the rebirth of Israel in our lifetime, in our generation. We are the generation that has witnessed the recapture of Jerusalem for the first time in 3,000 years. We are the generation that is seeing and witnessing the accelerated growth of knowledge and transportation. In the near future, knowledge will more than double every month the commu- the cumulative knowledge of man in my grandpa's lifetime man went from horse and buggy to walking on the moon in one lifetime we are the generation that has witnessed the revived roman empire in the 1990s we saw the greatest voluntary transfer of national sovereignty ever witnessed in human history as more than 20 nations of europe became one single united U- States of Europe, the European Union, just as the Bible foretells of the revived Roman Empire. We are the generation that has seen, you can Google this, the worst famines, the worst plagues ever known to man. I'm talking Ebola. I'm talking AIDS. But pastor, what about the black? plague? What about the bubonic plague of the Middle Ages? Listen, it was not 100% fatal. AIDS is the first epidemic ever to be 100% fatal. We are the generation. We are the generation. Think of it. That is seen an accelerating rise in killer quakes. You can Google this. The worst quakes of all human history have taken place in our lifetime. They have literally changed the axis of the earth. We are the generation for the first time to have the technology to host a one world government. We have the technology to host a one world economy and digitize every, syst- every person, every citizen and move to a system that is completely cashless. We have the technology to do that. We are the first generation to see the Armageddon alignment as predicted by scripture. The scripture foretells That certain nations will be the key players at the battle of Armageddon. And we're seeing them all line up. For instance, the king of the north, Russia. A hundred years ago, Russia was practically nothing. Today, a power to be reckoned with. We are the generation that has seen Russia aligned with Syria and Iran for the first time in its entire history. They are aligned with these nations. They have committed themselves to a permanent post in Syria. The Bible says in Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39 that it will be from the north that the invasion of Israel is coming. Russia joined with Syria. Up until 1935, Iran was cal- always, always, always called what? Persia. Just as the Bible predicts, it will be the king of the north, Russia, aligned with Iran or Persia and Syria as the key cohorts and comrades to move in and invade Israel in the last of the last days. What have we seen just this week? What have we seen just this week? It is escalating with North Korea. China is involved. Russia has sent troops to the border. If you haven't listened to your news of North Korea, we have sent the USS carrier Vincent, our super aircraft carrier, as everything is escalating there in North Korea. The Bible speaks of the kings of the East that will be the key players at the battle of Armageddon. Revelation chapter 9 verse 16, they led an army of 200 million warriors. I heard an announcement of how many there were. What does John, the revelator say, I heard an announcement of how many there were? Because he's astonished. Do you realize in that day and time when that prophecy was written, there was only 200 million people on the planet. He could not imagine an army of 200 million. But what do we have today? As of 1997, China reported they can now raise an army of 352 million soldiers, meaning that they could send 200 million to invade the Middle East and still have 152 million soldiers in reserve to defend the motherland. Think of it, the Bible foretold this 20 centuries ago. We are the first generation with the technological ability for Armageddon. We are the first generation with the ability to annihilate ourselves. I've had some people say, well, we've got a whole lot more bombs than North Korea. All they need is to let one bomb go in the atmosphere over our nation. And electronic uh, EMP will pervade forth and knock out every motor, every electrical engine, every ounce of electricity will be gone. And we'll be plunged back in time 150 years. 150 years ago, they knew how to survive. I don't think we do. We're on the threshold. We are the generation. There's been no generation like us in all church history. We have witnessed more prophetic fulfillment than any other generation since Jesus Christ. What does it all mean to the believer? Does it mean negativity, darkness, despair? No, no, no. Jesus said in Luke chapter 21, Now when these things begin to happen, look up! (laughs) Lift up your heads because your redemption draweth nigh. Your redemption draweth nigh. There it is. Hey, if you look behind you at your sins, you'll get depressed. If you look ahead into the future, you'll get dismayed. If you look down, you'll get disillusioned. If you look around at what's happening in world events, oh, you'll despair. But honey, 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 look up. Look up. Jesus is coming. (laughs) Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Oh, let's get excited about Jesus and his soon return. I don't know if it's going to be morning. I don't know if it's going to be noon. It might be evening. All I know, it's going to be soon. Jesus is coming. Stop focusing on just the here and now. And get your heads up. Looking up for your redemption draweth nigh. Jesus is coming. The early church lived with that hope. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 4.18, Therefore comfort one another with these words. That's why it's called the blessed hope. That's why I'm supposed to preach about it and teach about it. It is our source of comfort in the time of storm. Number eight, the rapture will be an instantaneous event. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. We shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible. We shall be changed. Two Greek words we need to focus on here. Atomos. It's translated moment. We get our word "atom" from it. The smallest particle of time. Rippe, rippe speaks of the twinkling of an eye. The twinkling of an eye. There are three aspects to speak of this translation twinkling of an eye wink, blink, and twink. Wink, Blink and twink. Some have interpreted this as a wink. Like when you wink at a pretty girl when you weren't married. That wink is an indeterminate amount of time. It can last a long time compared to the other two. The other aspect is blink. I used to preach that the twinkling of an eye meant look, blink, look. Look, blink, look. Look, blink, look. That amount of time of blinking is half a second. But that's not what Paul says. When you dig into the original Greek, he was talking about the twinkling of an eye. The twink of an eye is the amount of time for light to reflect off the retina of your eye. How fast does light travel? At 186,000 miles per second. That means that the rapture will take place in one billionth of a second. You could be walking in the hallway at school. You could be walking in the living room of your home or across your office and one foot will be on terra firma and before you put the next foot down, you are already translated. You're transformed. You're resurrected. You're in a superhuman glorious body just like Jesus and now you're walking on streets of gold. Hallelujah. 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 You know, I used to think that I'd have enough time when I was a teenager that when I'd hear the trumpet, I'd be able to say, Jesus, save me! Sorry for my sins! I thought I could grab onto my dad's pant leg going up. You won't have enough time to repent. Not enough time to say, Jesus, save me. It's no wonder Jesus said in Matthew 24, 42, watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. Matthew 25, watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Luke 12, it will be good for those servants whose Master finds them watching when He comes. Mark 13, keep a sharp lookout, for you do not know when I will come. At evening, at midnight, early dawn, or late daybreak. don't let me find you sleeping. Watch for my return. This is my message to you and to everyone else. Watch! A sailor was upset with his wife because he had been gone at sea for two years. And all the other wives had been on the dock watching for their husband's boat to arrive. But she hadn't come. She stayed at home, and she said to her hubby, Why are you upset with me? I've been waiting for you all this time here at the house. He looked at her and said, Yes. But all the other wives were at the dock watching. Our Lord wants nothing less. Are you watching? Or are you sitting on your hands and coasting and waiting for His soon return? Watching Christians? They're in the book, they read the book, they stand on the book, they confess it and possess it, they believe it, they receive it, and they release it, watching Christians consistently pray, while waiting Christians only pray over their meals and when they're in trouble, waiting Christians, they hardly crack the book. Watching Christians are faithful to God's house, Sunday by Sunday. Last Easter, this place was jammed out. Where are they they at this Sunday? There's a difference between watching and waiting. Watching Christians are faithful to God's services, God's classes, God's ministries. Waiting just fit God into their schedule. I I, I come close on Easter saying, so good to have you here on Easter, and uh, we'll look for you at Christmas. Just a pastoral pet peeve. Watching Christians are faithful to their marriages because they know Jesus could come at any moment. And they want to be found faithful, they open the door of their homes and families to God's presence. While waiting Christians, they open the door to anger and hurt and pleasure. Watching Christians keep short accounts, they're forgivers, they're reconcilers. Waiting Christians hold grudges. Watching Christians must be about their father's business, because he could come at any moment. Waiting Christians, they live for their own business. The watching are like Paul. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I have kept the faith. The waiting, though, are like the foolish bridesmaids. What percentage of the foolish of the bridesmaids? What percentage of the bridesmaids lost out on that day of days? 50%, 50% of the church was found knocking on the door. Let us in, let us in. But the voice came through the door. I know you not. were found sleeping. 50% were found waiting and not watching. The rapture will be a shocking event. Matthew 24, verse 40. Then Jesus said, two shall be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. The one will be taken the other left. Watch therefore, for you don't know the hour. Your Lord doth come. Imagine the moment of the rapture. A million conversations will end in mid-sentence. A million phone conversations will hear people shouting, Are you there? Are you there? Are you there? Husbands will reach out for their wives' hands, and they'll clasp empty space. A friend will slap his buddy a high five, and he'll fly through empty air. A quarterback will throw a Hail Mary pass to his favorite receiver and there'll be nobody there to receive the pass. A a mother will lean into a crib to kiss her baby and she'll kiss empty air. Cars with no drivers. Planes with no pilots. Moms, dads, children missing. The headlines will scream. Millions missing with no explanation. And churches will be packed out. Altars will be packed out with people screaming, Jesus has come and we've been left behind. You see, the rapture is an exclusive, selective event. It's only... the born again blood washed Bible believing soldiers of the cross who were watching watching expecting his soon return Uh, many 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 never thought that Pearl Harbor would happen but it did many never thought that something like planes crashing into skyscrapers that 9-11 would ever happen but it did Many think that the rapture will never happen, never occur, but it will. He said it, I believe it, and I receive it. Lakeside's greatest service will be the day after the rapture. I believe that this place will be jammed out, but it'll be one day, one day too late. The rapture will be a reuniting event. A reuniting event. This Friday morning I'm picking up somebody at 5 a.m. so he can preach to you on Sunday morning. He asked me, He asked me, Dad, why are you coming at 5 a.m.? And I said, I haven't seen you in a year. And I wouldn't let anybody else do it. And when I hug him, I'm going to kiss him with a manly kiss on the cheek. Because I miss him so bad it hurts. And you're going to be blessed. Don't miss next Sunday. You're going to be blessed with the word of God from my son, John Christ. But can you imagine the reunion in the skies? Oh, honey, sir, ma'am, can you imagine the reunion in the skies? How many here this morning already have somebody that you love in heaven? In heaven. What a day that will be when there will be constant hellos and no more goodbyes. Hallelujah. Time enough to, to greet and to meet and to share relationship. That's what happens is all about I've got grandmothers that I never knew (laughs) I'm gonna meet Becky my wife's father for the very first time I hope I get a good report (laughs) what a day that will be hallelujah but the first moment that we get in heaven the first moment we get in heaven, I believe that we're going to run by our loved ones and and say, Grandpa, uh, let's do lunch. Uh, I can't wait to catch up. I believe we're going to run by the heroes of the faith. Uh, We're going to run by Moses, Abraham, and Sarah, Esther, and Daniel, and say, hey, I want to find out what was it like in the lion's den, Daniel, but later, because I believe we're going to be in a foot race to see who, uh, to see the one who, Who was our Savior, our healer, our Prince of Peace, uh, our Lord of Lords, our King of Kings. We're going to race to His embrace. We're going to see Jesus. Heaven. Heaven's all about Jesus. Can you imagine what a day that will be?
1: Yeah Surrounded by your glory What will my heart feel? Oh, will I dance for in Jesus? Or in all of you be still Will I stand in your presence? Or to my knees will I fall Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? I can only imagine I can only imagine I can only imagine When that day comes And I find myself Standing in the sun I can only imagine when all I will do is forever, forever worship you, I can only imagine, yeah, I can only imagine. Surrounded by your glory, One will my heart be, or will I dance? for you Jesus or in all of you be still will I stand in your presence for to my knees will I fall will I sing hallelujah will I be able to speak at all I can only imagine yeah I can only imagine Glory! What will my heart feel? Will I dance for You, Jesus? Oh, in all of You be still? Will I stand in Your presence? Or to my knees will I bow? When I sing Hallelujah, will I be able to speak it all? I can only imagine.
0: Thank you, Lee Traxler. Bow your heads with me this morning. Father, we can only imagine the indescribable glory of not just heaven, but most of all, being with you, the lover, our soul. And Lord, it's this pastor's prayer that everyone within the sound of my voice, either here in this room or viewing us right now live stream, would not be left behind without hope heads are bowed and eyes are closed. My Bible and your Bible says today is the day of salvation, not tomorrow. Tomorrow could be too late. Don't wait to do what you need to do right now. And commit your life to Jesus Christ. Stop trying to be good enough to be a Christian. Let Jesus do that work. Your part is to open the door of your heart and invite Him in. You'll never be good enough to measure up to God's expectations. Only Jesus can do that. How about it? Isn't it time that you would say yes to Jesus? I'm going to pray the prayer of salvation. A prayer that will not only make you right with God, but on that day of days... It will be your rapture reservation. (laughs) And you'll hear the sound of the trumpet and our Lord's command and rise up to be with Him forevermore. If you'd like to be included in this prayer that I'm about to pray, I'm going to ask that you'll lift up your hand as a demonstration of your faith To demonstrate, uh, Pastor, I believe and I want to receive all that God has for me in Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. God bless you. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. How many more? I want to make my rapture reservation. I don't want to be left behind. I don't use this as a fear tactic. It's a promise. A promise of rescue. A promise to be with Him forevermore. Thank you, young person. Thank you. God bless you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Precious Jesus, everyone pray this prayer with me, especially you that have lifted up your hands. Pray this prayer right now in the name of Jesus. Pray it with me. Dear Jesus, I come to you right now. No excuses. I confess I'm a sinner. But Jesus, you're my Savior. Save me, Jesus. I believe you paid the price for my sins by dying for me. I believe you rose from the dead with resurrection life. I want that life, Jesus. A new life. And I believe You ascended into heaven. And one day you're coming back to bring me back. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing me, for cleansing me, for saving me. In the name of Jesus, I receive this as I believe it. Amen.